Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Young legs, no. I got my young legs, man. 
You got your like, young legs. I like it. I like it. Summer league legs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know, this man. is your so season, we... man. This is your season, oh, summer it. league. Ain't it? Ain't it, man? I love it, man. I love it. <laughs> Basketball in July, baby. Oh, man. So, yeah, it, it is summer. It, we're, summer's in full swing. We're on the other half of it. Happy 4th to all the listeners out there. Um, you know, we, we we took that week off. We missed you that week. But uh, we're back, so we want to wish you a happy Independence Day, um, any other holidays you celebrate. But uh, we're going to have a holiday tonight and just get it in RSG style. We have a slamming show. It's NBA heavy. Um, we got to talk NBA free agency. We're also going to hit you with some perspective on Aaron Hernandez. Um, Jay-Z just dropped a new album, Magna Carta, Holy Grail. Kanye just dropped a new album, Yeezus. Uh, we're going to talk about those things. We're going to get into a lot, cover a lot of ground tonight. So we just got to get started and jump right into it. The NBA, well, before we get into the NBA, I, w- I want to touch on this whole Aaron Hernandez situation. Um, now, right now, this Hernandez situation is just all up in the air. Aaron Hernandez is being brought up on murder charges, um, second-degree murder. Or is it first? I, can't, I think it's first degree because he had this intent. There was a plan and a poor plan, <laughs> might I add, a, a very poor plan, if you don't mind me saying, but a plan nonetheless. Um, and this is, I mean, this this whole fiasco has just unfolded in unbelievable fashion. Um, Aaron Hernandez was initially brought in. Uh, to talk to, well, initially the police came to his house. The brother then smashed the cameras in his crib. He then smashed his cell phone. <laughs> I mean, what's your perspective on this whole Aaron Hernandez situation? He's been let go. The Patriots recently have uh, did a uh, a re- return, a recall of all Aaron Hernandez jerseys. And I just get the feeling that there's going to be a kid in, like, Zimbabwe. <laughs> <laughs> in one of those commercials from Rockin' Aaron Hernandez. <laughs> we don't know what's going to happen in those jerseys or how they're going to dispose of them. What's your perspective on the whole Aaron Hernandez situation, from him getting dropped um, to just the whole situation in general? Uh, was there any way anybody could have done about anything about this cat before it got to this point? What do you think? Well, you juxtapose this against how the Ravens reacted to Ray Lewis, which tells you when 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 the Patriots did what they did, you knew it, there were some problems. You know they got yeah. they got they got feelers out there like no other organization, and you knew he was in trouble. Um, yeah. So that was a sign. Um, you know it's you know these things come down to larger issues. I mean these things. The murder is a result of 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 many factors that have happened along the way where there weren't interventions and things escalate. And so this is a young man that, um, and we've been talking about this lately, um, you know, uh, dealing with young people who are passing away and a whole bunch of things I've been encountering in in, in my own experience. But when you think about particularly males and how they deal with disappointment, how they deal with a lot of different issues, um, uh, around things, and this is something that's been really on my mind for a while, you know, and how you manage anger, how you manage emotions, how you build. So all the stuff that happened from the time his father died to how he's been this is escalated uh, for him over time, where he couldn't let the game go. 
you know, uh, wanted to still be that guy, even though he was in a whole other world. Um, that stuff happens over time, and you start to believe it. You start to live that life. And so, you know, is it Florida's fault? You know, I, you know, I don't know. No. You, know, you, I mean, you could add a whole bunch of, is it the Patriots' fault? There's some personal responsibility. I think it's a mix of a whole bunch of things. But unfortunately, we have a death here that in many instances there were signs that that were telling you that this was escalating. And so, you know, I think these are issues, and you and I deal with this a lot of times. You know, this stuff for cats starts at a very young age, and there were many different opportunities for intervention to really put things in check. But because of who they were and what they could contribute along the way, they were given something different. And over time, that builds up, and you begin to think you're immune to things. You believe you can be a gangster. You ain't nothing but a football player trying to do what you do. You ain't no real gangster, but you want to play that way. And so, and you think that's part of keeping it real. And so all this stuff happens. It's how you and your boys interact. It's about the firearms. It's all this other stuff that fits in with this machismo. It's all a part of that. There's a lot of lessons to be learned, but... We've seen this a number of times, and there's no lessons that get learned. The killer is football still goes on. It would be interesting if he was a basketball player and how this would be viewed. It's almost like the shield has its Teflon. You, know, you nick it for a minute, and it's going to keep on moving. You know, when you get into a training camp, folks are going to keep on going into another direction. You know, they're going to think, okay, football team's about it. You know, whatever happens, Hernandez happens. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it's a sad story. But, you know, I think it's something that is systemic. It's something that is 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 preventable in ways, and it's a combination of personal responsibility, but there's a whole bunch of other responsibility. You know, all these people who benefited, they walking away, selling jerseys, all this stuff. But he was doing things that, you know, I think the Patriots probably were looking the other way on. He's doing things that... Florida would look another way on that over time gave him his sense of empowerment. Like, I'm, I'm really Scarface. I'm really doing this. Yeah, this this guy was and, – and, and those are the things that, that for me, looking from, at the situation from very way, 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 way far away, um, just the whole having a, a flop house where you keep <laughs> – you know, clothes and extra clothes and weapons and ammunition and are you for real? You you play in the NFL? I mean, yes. you know, as they, as they say on on, on reality TV on basketball wives, you ain't about that life. <laughs> that's not what you. That's not you. Ain't really about that life. Come on now, that's right. right. <laughs> so it's just, uh, as 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 more and more information comes out, where you know he's 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 a. Uh, you know, he may have been involved in another shooting, and, you know, he had stuff. And we know about the stuff that he did. It, the stuff he did at Florida, we know that there was an element yeah. of the university kind of and then the football program kind of having his back and covering that up for him, helping yeah. that go away. With the situation with the shooting in Florida where the cat gave testimony or gave an account of who he thought. I mean, he named the cat from the team by name. He said Reggie Nelson, <laughs> Reggie Nelson, and a big Hawaiian-looking dude. <laughs> and then basically gave off Aaron Hernandez's measurements. <laughs> you know, 6'3", 240, 
Hawaiian look. You know what I mean? And then a week later, the cat all of a sudden gets amnesia. He can't remember Reggie Nelson's name. You name, you gave a dude by name, not just by description, but by name. You said that I saw Reggie Nelson. Who name? Who government? Who government name? So you know somebody had a conversation with that young man and was like, look, whatever you told them, you need to tell them something different the next time you talk to them, and we're going to keep this moving. Now, again, that happens in college towns. That happens in, yep. you know, SEC country. That's how it goes down. I'm not surprised by that. I don't think anybody else should be. And honestly, if you think that that doesn't happen everywhere and that hasn't happened mm-hmm. for a lot of guys, whether they play college basketball, college football, stuff can go away if it's not too serious and if there are very loose connections, they can make things go away. You know, the people at the police department are connected with the police people at the university. The same way I think there was somebody connected with the Patriots, uh, a police person in New England, um, that was connected with the Patriots and gave them a heads up. Because, I mean, 90 minutes later, they said, uh, yeah, we cutting homeboy. I mean, they didn't wait for no other. I mean, you know, is a season ticket holder, probably gave Bob Kraft, or somebody in the organization to call and say, look, this is only going to get worse. We have a lot of evidence on this cat. You guys may want to distance yourself from this situation as soon as possible. And so then you get them dropping them. Now, I don't have a problem with them releasing them either. You know what I mean? They have a right to do what they want to do. If somebody else want to pick them up, they can pick them up. They're not saying he can't play football no more. They're just saying you can't play for us. You know? Yeah. So... And, you know, this situation has gotten to the point where even the Cincinnati Bengals are coming out and being like, yeah, man, we, we said we, we ain't going to mess with that cat. <laughs> <laughs> even the Bengals was like, yeah, man, we, we really we, – we, we, we wouldn't mess with Aaron Hernandez. But in the end, man, this is just – as you said, this is another example of – with the NFL, I mean, this is going to be a story that's going to play out over time. But in the end, it doesn't have any – it's not going to have any real impact on the actual image of the league because once the game starts, not even once the game starts, once training camp opens up, all will be forgotten. <laughs> all will be forgotten. Once once hard knocks hits the table, everybody will be like, oh, you know, they're going to be going on to the next one. <laughs> yep. And all will be forgotten. People going to start looking at depth charts. <laughs> you know, talking about the fifth round rookie. You know, people, it, 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 the world will move on. Football will move on. Um, it's sad that you have a young man who seems to just make some poor choices um, in the company that he has kept and, and how he has decided to view himself as a person. It's, it's pretty ridiculous. Um, but the boy has squandered a tremendous, tremendous opportunity. Um, that's my last word on the Hernandez situation. I don't know if you want to drop a last word on it. You said enough, man. As, as they used to say in Detroit, another one bites the dust. Exactly. Agreed. Agreed. So we're going to keep it moving. Another thing I wanted to hit before we got into the NBA talk is the NBA talk is going to monopolize the show once we dig into it because there's just so much going on. Jay-Z's album, have you heard it? Magna Carta, Holy Grail, have you heard it? I haven't heard it yet. I'm about to get it. I've been running. Uh, But I love the way he set the whole game up. That's the part I love about how he's how he set the whole game up, and then even some of the commercials that they have around it, 
where he's you, it's, it's interesting how Jay Z is beginning to take this very much. Uh, he used to do it. See, people he used to do it more covertly. You you are you are aficionado, so you but he used to do these political things more covertly. Um, right. And now it feels like it's a little bit more overtly the way he's doing this, and and how this is another transformation of and the evolution of who who he's become. Hernandez can learn from this. You can evolve. You can evolve in the game. You ain't got to stay in the game. You can lose the game. Right. The element, right. But, right. But I, I, I love the way that he's kind of, and then that he's taking control. And this is to me the way he's done this speaks to as we talk about sports how you leverage who you are as a corporation within the context of who, of, this, of a sport. And I think that's why people are coming. So the way he rolled this out is why he's getting these young cats to sign on with it because it adds a whole other element to it. So that part about it, I'm looking forward. I'm about to, you know, I, I got the community, so I got to, I'm going to listen to the album. and we'll get, you know, I, I listened to Jesus, and we're going to talk about that a little bit, and, Kanye took me in a whole couple of dark, different places. I'm looking to see if the Magna Carta gonna take me, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, Kanye yeah. gonna take me. But 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 uh, but I, I, for I, what I would say is I love the way he set the game up. I love the way he introduced a new business model, um, and all these things are layers that people are not often picking up on. Yeah. A couple of things, and he did. He did try to do something different the way he set it up. What I will say is that you know the app was asking for way too much information. <laughs> With the whole Edward Snowden situation and the NSA leaks, um, you know the app was asking for like your your phone number, your contact information, be able to look into your hard drive. They wanted your firstborn child. All this other stuff, man. It was just too much. It was asking for too much. You know what I'm saying? Just a little bit too intrusive. So that's one where he got to fight. They had to fall back a little bit on that. That, that he may have to tweak that that piece of the model. But you live and you learn. I think you will. But it, you know, again with that. You know, Edward Snowden. He out in, in, in Moscow. And what's up with this guy? And he's just like hanging out in the airport, or is he? I mean, they keep saying he's like in the transit area. Is he like at a bus stop? <laughs> when I think of transit area, is this dude sleeping? Is this dude sleeping on the bench at the bus stop? That's what I think of a transit area. You know what I'm saying? And then he's fielding offers. He's fielding offers for uh, asylum, like he a recruit. You know, they like he's got offers from Venezuela and and Nicaragua, Florida State, Oklahoma, thrown in a bed. You know what I'm saying? What is it? But I digress. I digress, man. But yeah, you know the album itself. The album itself. What I will say is, it's an enjoyable album. It is a very good album. Um, is it Jay's best? No. Is it one of his top three albums? No. Um, did he break new ground on this album? No. Um, you know, a lot of people say, you know, they're tired of hearing him rap about being rich. Um, and when you get a chance to listen to it, we can go deep into this conversation. Yeah. Um, and you can give your opinion. For me, and I, I don't want—I don't want to color your opinion of it too much. I'll just say, for me, I enjoyed it. Um, I, I, as much as Jay's evolved as a persona, he's kind of—he's um, kind of standing still a little bit as an MC. It's still—he's still at a high level. It's still—it's kind of like a Kobe deal. You know, he's still putting up twenty-seven a game. So I ain't mad yeah. at that. You know, he's still putting up twenty-seven a game, but. 
I need I need a little I need a little more. Yeah, I need a little more. Well, and, that, and, and that's the part I'm looking to see where the transformation comes. You know, how can he twist this in to, you know, not just about uh, I have a lot of money, but how does that lead to economic empowerment? How you get the deal done? That's the right. part that people need to understand. Not the outcome of what you got, but explaining the blueprint in a real blueprint way. Right, or even, you know or even just taking, just taking, just taking me as a listener, one yep. behind the curtain. Like, yep, you made it That's to right. that exclusive, exclusive yes. club. What's that like being yep. the only black dude in that in that group? You know what I'm saying? That's right. What is that That's like? Right. Tell me about that. Help me with how. What is your psyche? How do you feel about that? What's your psyche say about that? Do it, yeah. of course, in a clever. Uh, do it, of course, mechanically well as a rapper. Do it cleverly, but that's where I yes. want to know. That's what I want to know. I, I get it. You can yes. buy a bunch of stuff, man. I dig that. You know, but take me yes. behind the curtain. What's that like? You know, how are you being treated? You know, how, how are people shopping to you? You know, what I'm saying. And then that's the other right. thing is, how are you responding to that? Are you going along with it? Are yes. you being rebellious? Where's the hip hop to that? You know, what I'm saying. Where's yes. the rebellion in it? Yes. How are you rebelling against these expectations? Because now you are expected to be a certain kind of way. How are you still? Yes. Maintaining, uh, how, how how are you code switching? How are you balancing yes. that whole code switching piece of still being yes. who you are, but then still, that's 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 what I want to hear more of instead of you know the Alexander Wang and the Basquiat yeah. and all that kind of stuff. I yeah. that that's yeah. why I can't afford it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I can't afford it on my on my on my salary, but yeah. I, don't I, don't know what it looked like. I don't know what that is. I wouldn't I wouldn't know what it looked like when I fuck saw it. I'm not trying to I'm telling you, most of this stuff I can't pronounce. <laughs> 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 most of this stuff I can't pronounce. It's all above my pay grade. You know. But it's a good it's a good album. It's a good album. You'll rock out to it. It's got some joints on there that I really enjoy that I definitely can put on a mixtape and get me hyped up to to work out and get me in that bright mind frame to to go into a a, a meeting or do a presentation, get, you know it, it's got that kind of a, kind of a vibe to it. Yeah. So you know it's still good music. Is it Jay's best? Nah, I'm not even close. But it's still solid. It's still solid. You know, um, mm-hmm. moving on though, Kanye dropped an album. Jesus, you know what I'm saying, and. You say you've heard it. I've heard it. I'm gonna let you go before I say what I gotta say about it. Well, what were your impressions of Jesus? This is it. now. This album has gotten a lot of critical acclaim. Um, yeah. yeah, people are loving it. Um, seems like generally people are loving it. The critics are loving it. The, the streets are saying something different. Um, the streets, it, it's mixed reviews from the streets. The critics, the magazines. You know the internet, they loving it. The streets got a different take on it. They view they 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 view it as kind of a, as as a my man. I gotta give credit to to Justin for I'm the, he coined this in a way heartbreak too. Um, it's kind of how the streets ain't riding with it so hard. What's your perception of of, of the Kanye story? I listened to it. I listened to it once on my on my way. I, I downloaded it and listened to it on my my commute. Back, so I was able to listen to it. Actually, finished it in the driveway. So I haven't gone back. It's almost like when you write the first time or do something, you listen and you haven't gone back to do it. But it it was like 
he was trying. I was trying to figure out how I want to describe this. It was it was like he had just gone straight underground on it. So usually, if you think about early on, he would he would he would he would push the envelope, but he would do it in a way like Jesus Walk is a great way in which he he pushed the envelope, but he gave you this kind of commercial appeal on top of it. But it still was pushing the edge a little bit. This was like a Sundance type thing. It's the kind of thing sometimes we see uh, in the Academy Awards, like, where did this film come from? Everybody's loving it. But any cat that ever go to the movies, watch it and like, well, how is this getting Oscar acclaimed, you know? What happened to right. that, that movie that, uh, that that Jamie Foxx was in? You know what I'm saying? So it was it was that kind of feel that, you know, people who have this kind of artistic view of things are going to love this. You know, but he doesn't have his, his mix that you could. <laughs> I don't know why. I felt like I was shallow, but I was like, where the club hit at? You know, and I hate to see that right now. Right. Kanye always found a way to even create that element in it and still in a balance that I didn't see quite in this album. But I, I thought it, it, got, it went deep, but sometimes he's going to some dark places. I was like, boy, pull it back. Come on back, man. Come on back. I, like, I went there yeah. and I started feeling like. I'm going to a place I shouldn't be going. So it, it, it had a little bit too much of sometimes there's, there's a great album has a balance of it where it can, it can really push you, but at the same time uh, it, can, it, can, it can have an appeal in other ways. And I think his other, his other albums he's done has more, had, had more of a balance. Uh, and so that's kind of how I looked at it. Have to listen to it once. Yeah, yeah. And I was I listened to it the first time, and I was kind of like you. I was kind of like, "Whoa, this is way, way different." You know what I'm saying? This is yep. way out there. This is. I mean, this is. I mean, there's there's probably no. I mean, there's probably like two tracks with snares on it, like with it with it with it. Yes. With something on the two. That's right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There's like two tracks where he where he actually put a sound on the two. That's right. Whether it's a right. hand clap or a snare or something, yeah. you know what I mean? It was the longest, so longest month of rap. It was like it's a different yeah. sound. It's supposed to be beautiful, but you like it's an acquired taste. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm listening to I'm listening to it probably three or four times now, and I actually really am digging it. Um, and you know, there's some tracks that hit really hard. There isn't a track on here that other than um Send It Up that I think yeah. you probably could get on the rate on uh, that you could hear played in the club. But other than that, it's a real dark, dark experimental joint. But what I will say is is Kanye's probably if I had to put my top five MCs today, not all time, top five MCs today, Kanye's probably my fire, my, my, my favorite M C right now. He probably yeah. at the top of my list, um, just because he he has that balance of yeah. being arrogant as all get out, but still being able to give you a glimpse into the vulnerability behind his arrogance. You know, he's not just right. arrogant because he's arrogant. He's arrogant because he's actually very insecure about his standing yeah. in the world, and and you know. He he really does come from a place where it's like this dude seems like he's really taking you to that spot in his mind where 
And we all have those moments where it's like, yo, man, we on the verge of self-destructing in our head. We may not let the That's outside right. world know that, but in our head, mm-hmm. you know, it's like that moment where somebody disses you, and in your mind, you picture yourself slapping them in the face. He wraps yes. that. <laughs> he yes. wraps that feeling for you. Like, yes. yo, nah, nah, you ain't going to disrespect me like that. Well, we handle it with decorum and class and, you know, all of the ways that we are socially taught to handle it with grace and everything. He goes to that place where we want to go. That's right. That's right. And so, like, that, that is, it's good to just be able to hear somebody verbalize all of that, man. So I, I enjoyed Kanye. I enjoyed the album. It took me a little bit to kind of get into it yeah. because it is a shock to your senses a little bit, especially after the last album. Yeah. You know, it's definitely different. The last album, I think, was the perfect blend of Kanye's experimental mentality with keeping it home, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Keeping yep. it in the pocket where the average cat could could get into it, listen to it, and enjoy it. Um, mm. So, you know, we'll, we'll check back in next week, and we'll have to finish our, our Magna Carta yeah. Holy Grail conversation because I want to give you a chance yeah. to digest it before I, I get into yeah, my opinion. Because I, I don't yeah, want to tell how you view it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to definitely check it out. And I haven't said about Kanye. That's why I, but I always still ride with Kanye. So because of what you said about him as MC and that I, I, he takes chances. And so I support him because he's not afraid to take chances where a lot of cats are, are afraid and haven't positioned themselves to allow them to, to, to take the kind of chances he takes. So I'm always going to ride with him because of that. Yeah, yeah. So we're wrapping up the first 30 minutes. Oh, the real sports guys. Listen to the real sports guys. Realsportsguys.com. RSG. Renegade Radio. We're going to jump into talking the NBA. Um, we're going to ride this out for the next hour. This is going to be uh, some bang em up radio real quick. Um, it's going to get quick and dirty. Uh, so before we – to start this off, man, we got to get into the uh, the draft. And we got to talk about the draft. So – Let's just start there. Draft night, the NBA draft in general. How do you feel about this draft? Um, what were your impressions of this draft class as a whole? You know, coming up to the draft, all the talk was this was going to be a weak draft. This was going to be a draft without any stars. And I could agree with that. Um, that I don't think there is a star. Um, there wasn't a LeBron or a Derrick Rose or any transcendent talent in this draft, but I think there are some very good players in this draft. Um, what do you think? What were your impressions of the draft, if you will? Well, I was just surprised of how people were characterizing the draft. Cause I, I saw this as really a true, everybody wants the work to be easy, right? LeBron is easy. But this is a, to me, this was a, a true GM draft because it had a, you have to really – I think you have to have a really good basketball mind to understand what some of these players can do. I think there are some players in here who um, will be stars. But I also think there's a lot of players in here who I think will help teams win multiple championships. There's some number two and three type players. And to win championships, you need cats like that. Um, And so I think this this is truly a GM's draft in many ways. And trying to find players who really match your philosophy. And if you got that match right, then you're going to get a lot out of it. And so 
uh, that's kind of how I looked at this draft. I got kind of excited about how people were going to really situate themselves in getting some of these players. And, and, um, and people who, who – there's a lot of players, I feel like, in this draft who they don't jump off the wire in terms of the kind of athleticism when you see the kinds of players like uh, LeBron come into a draft and everything else. But there's some guys who know how to play the game. And they're talented. Um, and they're the kind of people I think can, can grow uh, into being great players. Yeah, I I, I, I texted I texted this to you uh, on draft night. You know, I said you know this draft may not produce ten All Star appearances total, but they're gonna be they're gonna be more ten year careers than All Star appearances. So I think you this is a draft full of role players. This is a draft full of third banana, fourth banana kind of guys. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think if you come into the idea that you've got to hit the lotto with this draft, then, yeah, you're going to be not happy. But if you come in with the right mentality, we need to find a piece that's going to help our team improve, point blank, period. And it may not be this year, but we need to we need to look at two, three years down the line, what are we going to be and what are we going to need and what can we get to develop what we have. And so when, when Cleveland took Anthony Bennett with the first pick, I was shocked like everybody else because it was off my radar totally. Didn't didn't see that one coming at all. Um, I understood it, though, and I understood the approach they were taking. Uh, I think they're looking long ball. I still, I still felt Otto Porter was a better pick, was a better fit for what they needed right now. But I understood Bennett has a lot of upside. He's a young guy. He's only one year of college. Um, he can score. He can play the four. And that's where the game is going. You need big guys who can stroke it from deep. He can shoot the three. You know, he can, he can score from a lot in a lot of different ways. He has a, a very, very poor man Carmelo type feel to him where, you know, he's 6'8", 230, can bang, but can also finesse you on the perimeter. Not nearly as refined as Carmelo, but a good player nonetheless, a good scorer nonetheless. And that's all they need. They don't need another stud. They have their stud, you know, in Kyrie. They needed another piece to begin to fill out the roster around them. And I felt like if you came in with that approach, that we need to get something that's going to fill out and fill in with what everything and, and complement everything else that we already have. I think this was a good draft for you. Um, now I want to get some of your thoughts on the draft as the event because um, the event was actually very entertaining and this yes. is the second highest rated draft um, in the history since the draft has been on ESPN. Now you got to think about that and put that into perspective. We're talking about this as a really weak draft. But for some reason, people still tuned in. I think people tuned in because there wasn't that clear-cut number one guy. And there mm-hmm. was just a lot of stuff going down. I mean, there was a lot of stuff going down. So you had David Stern. This is his last draft. What did you think about how he handled the crowd and the c- consistent booing that he was getting? How did you feel about that? I, you know, I loved it. You know, you know, David Stern, you know, and I've been hard on Stern. He's, sometimes he's like he's a curmudgeon out there. Um, the crowd is always good with him, and you know I love what he, he said. You thought you getting tired or something like that. 
But what I mm-hmm. what I will say is that he oftentimes comes from a perspective of he's he's a he's a column writer. Yeah. And so he doesn't get that like he's used to making comments in a vacuum and just yeah, letting them sit. And I don't think he's used to like having people come back and go back and forth with him and come back at him or just getting that reaction. And so yes. you know, I think and I think also as a writer, he also is is more inclined to be able to let his thoughts develop over time. You know, yes. whereas when you're just when you're you got to be snappy on your feet and you got to be intuitive and insightful on your toes when you're in a live broadcast, and that may not necessarily be his his strong point. His insights may come from being able to sit with a thought, a single thought, for five or six minutes as a writer and really craft what you want to say and how you want to present it and how you want to say it. So his writing, I think, is very different than his, uh, <laughs> his yeah. on-air presentation. Um, but, yeah, he, he has, but, but, he but, but, yeah, but, uh, you know, but as a writer, I will say this, but as a writer, you got to have sources. So what's your justification for saying Doc wasn't telling us the truth? Yeah, I think that was just sour grapes. I think that was just sour grapes. Yeah, I think that was just sour grapes. I think his thing yeah. was he felt like Doc gave him a different story. Who cares? Who cares? You know what I'm saying? Who cares? If Doc gave a bunch of different stories, really, so what? So what? Yeah. If Doc would have clucked the Celtics would have fired him. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's not that big of a deal to me. Um, the Doc situation. You, 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 can't, you can't do that deal. You can't do that deal unless there's willing partners. And Danny Ainge was right. really a partner in that as Doc. And neither one right. of them can, can say that out public, but I think they both behind the scenes say, look, we're going in a different direction. I know you don't want, want to do this. I don't want to put right. you through this. How do we make this work for you? But I know you really want to coach. That's right. the kind of stuff but that goes behind the scenes. What I will say is is getting is the Celtics then went on to hire Brad Stevens. Getting Brad Stevens <laughs> um, yeah. and the way they did that was extra smooth. Um, oh yeah, but when you contract, but when you contrast that to the doc situation, somebody you know leaks are leaks, and leaks happen on purpose. Leaks happen for a reason. But when you contrast how you didn't know nothing about the Brad Stevens situation until they wanted you to know something, till yeah. to the and you contrast that with the doc situation where it was rumors a week and a half before anything actually went down. Yes, you know somebody was leveraging the situation, whether it was the Clippers whether it was Doc, whether it was Ainge. You know, maybe Ainge was trying to put it out there that, hey, you can get Doc, but I need some picks. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, there was some leveraging going on. And so it's just an insight. It's just a peep into that game. You know what I mean? That game that gets played when, when stuff comes out and how they use these reporters to leak information. Uh, which is just savvy. It's just being a savvy GM. Um, I like it. But, but speaking of the Celtics, let's just talk about them for a second because they hired Brad Stevenson. Uh, I'm sorry, Stevens from Butler. What do you think about the uh, the Brad Stevens hire? I was thinking about it because I knew we were going to talk about this. Um, and, you know, there's a big thing about college coaches coming to the NBA. But if you think about the way in which most college coaches come to the NBA, they come with a couple things. One is one is what I would call fool's goal. So a lot of times the people who get the the, the – the NBA job come from college, have built up this resume that gives them leveraging and bargaining. And the college coaches think part of the bargaining tool is I'm trying to bargain for all this power in this GM. So if you think about um, uh, when Calipari came and 
Um, you think about Patino, they wanted to be president, vice president of operations, and coach, right? And not understanding that really the advantage is really getting here and be in translating your coaching game. Don't get so caught up in that other stuff. And I think what's different about the Stevens stuff, and the second part is that they usually come to bad teams with bad vets. It's not just bad teams, but bad teams. We, a lot of us work with organizations that are losing organizations at, at some point in our lives. Um, I've been fortunate enough to be part of some good organizations. But I think part of the challenge is when you have vets who aren't there for the right reasons, and that becomes yeah. challenging for a coach. So what Stevens has, which I think is beautiful, is that he's come in and he, it's clear from the beginning, Ainge is going to handle that stuff. He just has to transition on being a coach and set up his operation, which I think would be key to his success. And the other thing is that they've cleared a lot of veteran issues in a way that allows for him to establish a thing. Now, the key piece is, you know, whether they hold on to Rondo and those kind of things and that work and that relationship work. But for the most part, he has a lot of younger players and and, and Ainge is clearing a lot of stuff for him. Uh, And plus, I think he has the kind of demeanor that I think that can translate. But those things get missed on success from going to college coaching to pro coaching. I think sometimes college coaches come in their program overstep their leverage and get into the fool's gold area. They think they want to have all the control without really understanding how the business of the NBA works rather than just getting in and being successful as a coach. Yeah, and for me, what I see with college coaches that fail is exactly what you talked about. They come in and, and they don't realize that the GM is the GM all day. And one thing, it was real interesting because I listened to an interview with Brad Stevenson today, um, and I think it was on Doug Gottlieb's show. Um, and he was talking about how he is surprised at how much freedom guys in the pros have to actually just think about the game and just That's focus right. on the game. Where in college you got to kiss babies, shake hands, recruit, you know, you got to, you know, work on the program. You got the, the, the pro, you got to talk to the folks, but you got to get, a, you got to put your stamp of approval on the program. You got to talk about jerseys. You have to run the whole shebang and you get to pick the players and how in college that can work and how in college you can do that. You can have all of that power in the pros though. If you have all of that power, you have to realize you can't commit as much to your GM position as the GM for the Spurs because that's all he does yes. as GM. You know what I mean? And he gets to do it all day. <laughs> he doesn't have to kiss babies and shake hands. He just gets to lock, hold up in a room with him and his assistant and his team, and they work out the business and the player movement and all that kind of stuff that they need to work out as GM. They get to do that job all day. The other coaches in the league, get to be coaches, point blank, period. They get to think about X's and O's and managing the team because that's their job. That's their sandbox. You know what I'm saying? And the sandboxes are very defined in the professionals. You're a professional coach. We don't need you to do all this other stuff, politic and all that, that kind of deal. We don't need that. We have somebody to do that. We have a PR department, and they go handle all that. You get to do your job. And so everything is very compartmentalized in the pros, and that works because it allows guys to be very good at what they do. And so when you try and do all of that on your own, 
you're not putting in the same amount of work into your main job as the next guy because you're trying to be the GM and the president and all this other stuff, and you can't you can't do all of them at the same time at the pro level because it's competitive. And so because it's competitive, if you're not doing it as well as the next man, you're going to look bad. Yes. And things aren't going to go well. And that's what happens with a lot of college coaches. The other thing with college coaches is that the power piece, the flip side of that is that you're dealing with grown men who are that's right. you're a part of you're a part of a a unit now. You're not the show. In college you get to be the show. It's about you. You have a level of power over those kids that you don't have with these grown men. So now you gotta actually motivate without you know, you can't Mike Rice, you know, you can't go Mike Rice in the league. <laughs> that's right. You're gonna get beat that's up. Right. <laughs> you're gonna get beat up, you're gonna get thrown in the trunk. <laughs> So how do you for, for guys like that? How do you coach when you can't when you don't have that hammer and that level of authority? How do you actually make your system make sense? How do you actually speak to a guy from a place of I'm trying to make you better, I'm trying to leverage you, and you just can't be fire and brimstone all the time? Well, you actually have That's to right. have a man to man conversation and come at somebody on equal footing. A lot of cats can't coach from that place because they're so yeah. used to being these dominating type figures that they just can't operate on equal footing with anybody. They have to have a power advantage. If they don't have a power advantage, they don't know how to motivate. They don't know how to work with people. And that's where I think a lot of guys fail as well. Um, When you can't just come down with an iron fist and it's not your way or the highway, and when the player actually has more leverage than you do. You know, so then that that brings us back to our perpetual conversation around the, the, the power, uh, the powerless student athlete, which, you know, we won't get into right now, but yeah. but that, that that informs how a lot of coaches operate. And when you go to the pros, the pros, the players have just as much, if not more, power than you do as a coach. And so I think Stevens will work out because Stevens didn't strike me as a guy being he was out of mid-major who coached with that kind of iron fist, Bobby Knight, getting your face, yelling at you kind of old school kind of mentality. He was more of a cerebral new school kind of coach. And everything that I've read, being a coach, I read about a lot of these guys and I follow a lot of their work and study a lot of their philosophies. He was more of an analytical cat who really broke down to his players. You know, if he's talking about rotating passes and he's trying to stress his players that we need to rotate the ball, he's not just going to yell that out in practice. He's going to sit them down and put some numbers in front of them that show when we rotate the ball, our points per possession goes up. All right? We score yeah. more when we rotate the ball than when we don't. So if you guys want to score more points, then rotate the ball. And that's how he presents his ideas. And I think that works better with adults, <laughs> rational yes, yes. thinkers. You know what I'm that's saying? Right. That works better. And that, and that also takes it off of you as a coach. It's not about what I want. It's about this is what makes you guys better. When you guys do these particular things, you score more points. And in the end, we want to score more points than the other team. So maybe we need to rotate the ball a little bit more. That's how you get guys to buy in. That's how you become more effective, and that's more of what Brad Stevens' style is, and I think that's why he's going to work at the next level, you know, because he's not uh, a rule with an iron fist kind of cat. He he fits in with the new wave of coach that's coming into the NBA that is more thought, more analytical, looking at more numbers, looking at matchups, looking at lineups. You can't go too far that way now. You can't be just like this computer mm-hmm. robot guy. You know, you still got to have a feel for how to coach a team, um, and how to manage personalities and players. But I think that piece of it 
you know, I think he has a good approach that is a pro-style approach, in my opinion, where I think some guys like Roy Williams, um, you know, and some of these other guys out there who are more kind of in your face, get after you kind of, that works for kids. Mm-hmm. I don't think that works for adults. Um, so I like mm-hmm. the hire. Now, the trade, we got to talk about the trade, the 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 move, uh, moving Garnett and Pierce and where that puts the organization and then how that affects the Nets. So first I want to touch on how does that improve the, the Celtics? Well, I, I think, you know, you know what it did for me is it, it, it cleared contracts that they would have had a tough time clearing. Um, and, again, I think one of the things they did a good job of is continuing to collect, you know, their draft picks, position themselves. At the same time, you know, as I started, we had this great conversation back and forth on Twitter with uh, Justin. And as I started, in a, and that's where it gets, I think it gets back to my recent summer league look at uh, Olenek, uh, who is impressive. Um, yes, yes. When we, when, we, when we talk about whether or not they're going to be a lottery team, um, and they could be a lottery team, but I think they, they've got some assets and they got some players and they got a core group of young players there. And, and obviously Rondo is a question mark, but you can, you know, they can still move Rondo. Um, that is, I think, positioning them for a rebound much faster uh, than you think. And so, I, you know, at first I was trying to figure out where Ainge was going, um, but I think what they did was they cleared this cap space. They put themselves in a run for his 2014 um, big free agency period. They've also allowed themselves to be positioned in a draft with a much deeper draft coming up. So now they're, they're at this, they got they got they got ways to play this on multiple levels. And it almost felt like, and in, 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 in follow me on this. You know, at a certain point, the Red Sox started realizing that they just couldn't pay for top players. So, you know, the Celtics got the big three. They started the big three thing, and they did that on big free agency moves. But there was a time when you had to also figure out how to grow your own and do it in a little right. different fashion. And it feels like right. they are transitioning into getting back to how do we grow our own, how do we do that, how we build our – we use KG and Doc and them to reestablish the organization. Now we're going to pivot to more of how do we grow our own um, in a way that we can do it through the draft, like an Oklahoma City type of thing, as well as we got a little bit of flexibility to bring that free agent to put the put the little cherry on the top, which is how, if you look at a baseball, how the Red Sox have been doing it, right? right. And so it, 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 even though you got the money, we're not gonna we're not gonna be paying luxury tax. We're not gonna be doing that. We're gonna try and do it in a different way. And I think that's then why Stevens makes sense because then I think he's aligned with that type of approach. But for the yeah, Nets, I think on the other side, to, go ahead. Oh, I would say just on the, on the Nets on the other side, I think what that move does is it helps out Jason Kidd because what it does is, again, like I told you about college coaches, what it does for Jason Kidd coming in, and including to getting some veteran coaches on his staff, where as he's learning how he wants to set up his practices and X and O's, he has people like KG and Pierce who can come in and manage that locker room in the practice environment in a way that he doesn't have to do. Now he's got some vets who he can align with 
that can also be there for Darren Williams, can push Darren Williams in ways that he doesn't have to do, that compromises his relationship. KG will go to Darren in a way that will push him in a way that he hasn't been pushed by another vet. And he got cachet because he got a championship. So it really, I think this could help on the, on the, on the Brooklyn side uh, kids' maturity as a coach because now he doesn't have to manage. Where Stevens comes in, he knows how to manage these coaching things that he's trying to translate to the to the the the, 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 the uh, NBA game. Kid still has to develop those kind of practices. He's got people around him who he trusts, uh, coaches who he's worked with. Um, but at the same time, now he has players in the locker room can manage that side for it. Now the question is. When KG goes off every once in a while, can you be like Doc and pull him in? Um, and I think that's something that – but he got, he's got Pierce to help with that uh, as well, to help with that locker room management, to practice how people practice in a way that he wants to practice, the toughness piece. He's got those folks to help implement the program. So where do you put Brooklyn right now? In Man, just with, with the information you got today, of course this could change. We're not setting it yeah. in stone. You're not going to be held to this in, in, in December. We're not going to bring this up again. We just right today because, you know, the the, move, the pieces aren't done moving, but just right today, what do you think about Brooklyn? Where do they rank in, I, in, in where you put them in the East? I, I'll, stick them, I'll stick them in the, uh, in the uh, two slot. And that's higher than I thought, but as I looked at it, I would stick them in the two slot. It could slip to three depending on on uh, where Chicago comes in, what happens with their recovery once we kind of see how D. Rose comes back um, with some things. Uh, but I would put them in the two slot because they got all the pieces, the piece that they're really missing, and you and I talked about this, is from the neck up. They got the big. Now they got the they got the Pierce guy who can hit the big shot in the big moment, who can carry some things. You can get Williams back to a superstar point guard role because he's not really carrying all those things. Uh, and you got somebody who's going to scare Joe Johnson into making plays, KG. <laughs> so Joe ain't going to be a because he's going to have KG looking at him, and he's going to have to step his game up every night. Uh, and if you get a Joe Johnson that's focused, you might have something. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, you know, I think I, I have them at number two as well. Um, and the reason I have them at number two is just the starting five, I think, can give Miami yeah. fits. Um, yeah. I think where they are number one, to me, is we've got to figure out what, what they got in the on the bench. You got Terry coming yes. off. He can help out. You got Black, yes. who, you know, a year with KG could really turn around that boy's career because he's got all the talent and he yes. just needs a better motor. And if, if some of KG could rub off on Black, you may see a, a game-changing kind of player as a role, as a bench role player from Black. He could come transform into a Lamar Odom-type cat off the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just we got to see how they evolve and how they develop mm-hmm. that bench. The thing that worries about me and Keith and that, too, is that I still don't feel like they have answers defensively for LeBron and D-Wade, point blank period. Pierce can guard LeBron for stretches, but they don't have the athleticism. They're old on the wing. 
Joe Johnson is thirty, is in his thirties. Pierce's we Pierce's long in the tooth. They have to get some young defensive wing cats like a Danny Green, like a Kawhi Leonard, who aren't total liabilities on offense, but they can at least give you some solid minutes on a LeBron, on a D Wade to spell or to allow Paul Pearson and Joe Johnson to be on the court and not have to chase them around and not have to guard them every possession. That's where I worry a little bit about this team. And and a lot of the teams that call themselves so-called contenders, that's the first place I go to see if they really got a shot. Okay, who do you have that can guard LeBron for stretches? Who do you have that can guard D-Wade for stretches? If you don't have that, then to me you're not really a contender. I think Brooklyn will be the second-best team in the East. I I still don't see them as a contender. I think they'll have a great regular season. They'll have a strong record going in. Um, but I don't see them as a contender because they lack that particular piece. And I think for both Indiana and San Antonio, if you look at really San Antonio was an old squad, but they were young on the wing. Indiana, young on the wing. They had young athletic guys who could get out to Dwayne Wade and LeBron. You're not going to stop them, but you just got to make it difficult. You got to make it difficult, and you got to be able to throw bodies at them. And those bodies also have to be able to make shots on the other end. And that's what those two teams had, and that's what I don't see in Brooklyn. I want to shift gears real quick, and we talked about the Celtics possible going to the lottery. I think they will wind up in the lottery, and I think they need to wind up in the lottery. I think mm-hmm. they need to start to gather assets because I don't think you can play the waiting game in free agency and just wait for free agents to come to you. I think you've got to have some pieces that you can go get the guys you want with. You know what I mean? That's what they did with this first, with the first time around, is that they traded pieces, Al Jefferson, Gerald Green. Mm-hmm. They moved those guys that they had been stockpiling over a four- or five-year period and moved them for the guy that they wanted. They didn't wait on free agents. They didn't mm-hmm. sign any free agents to make the squad to get the last championship they got. They gathered assets and went after the people they wanted, trading Jeff Green, to Seattle for Ray Allen, you know, getting trading Al Jefferson and Gerald Green and a bunch of other pieces and draft picks to Minnesota to get KG. That's how you do it. You go get the guys you want. The flip side of the coin is the Lakers, who try to do it the other way, where they wait, they clear the they clear the deck and then wait for guys to fall in love with L.A. Um, they did that with the White, and he burned them. He, he burned them. He burned them. Cold blooded. Burnham. How do you feel about the whole Dwight situation? What's your what's been your perspective on, on everything that's been going down in Lakerland? <laughs> you know, Bright Lights, Big City, boy, Shaq caught it. Um you know, I just knew he wasn't coming back. And prob- the part of the problem for the Lakers and this isn't Dwight's fault. This is a Laker issue. You know, and I argue with Laker fans, and, and, and Lamar don't call in because you, you, you will. I, I will have game tape to bring the dog out. But <laughs> every true Laker fan, we had, you know, Dr. Damon Williams on, who's a true Laker fan, my brother, a true Laker fan. Those two, those are real dogs. They will tell you that the two things that the problem is management and Dan Tony. And Agreed. on top of it, on top of it, the one issue that every great organization has, and the, and the Celtics went through this for a period, and the Lakers over time have avoided it when they've done it right, is that there's a time when you stay with your lead dog too long. 
And yeah. Kobe is coming off an Achilles, and he's up in age, but yet he's calling the shots. And all that's problematic for the future of the Lakers. And whatever you want to say about Dwight, if I'm making a business decision around that, why am, why am I playing for D'Antoni when he's playing a style that you know is not going to win a championship? And that's not a Laker fan. And it's not good for the guy that you're trying to keep. It's not good for the guy you're trying to keep, and no one can explain that to me, other than true people like the two folks I talk about who say they agree. But and, and this is what's going to happen. And this is what's going to happen, D-Wills, is that they're going to wind up firing Dan Tony halfway through the season this year anyway. So not only yeah. will you have lost Dwight, because, and I'm not a Dwight fan. I don't think Dwight was the savior no. out there. This is well documented, all right? This is, we, got, we, got, we got reels of tape on me and how I feel about Dwight Howard. Go to realsports.com. Look for the Dwight Howard picture. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dwight's a, good, Dwight's a good player. He would have helped that franchise out. He would have helped them transition. You're going to wind up firing Dan Tony anyway, and you lost Dwight. Like, that's, that's as I said to Dwight, dumb Dwight, dumb L.A., dumb, dumb <laughs> bus family, dumb, just dumb. All right? Come on. And you're right. The Celtics has moved the brand. The Celtics brand is 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 the clover. It's the clover. It's not about the individuals. The Lakers brand is about they the move Paul Pierce. personality. They moved Paul Pierce. Right. Have you heard anything? Right. Paul right. Pierce is you know, the Celtic. They moved Paul right. Pierce. Did you have you heard anything? No. No. Why? Because the team must go on. <laughs> the, cell, the, the the Clover must live on. And that's the problem with the Lakers is that they're per, they're personality-driven. It's about magic. It's about worthy. It's about Kareem. It's about Shaq. It's about Kobe. It's not necessarily about the Lakers. They just happen to play for the Lakers, and the Lakers like to have big personalities. The Lakers fans will tell you that. There are only certain personalities that can be the face of the Lakers the Laker franchise. Right. Why? Because you have to be a personality. Because it's about the personalities. It's not about the substance all the time. It's not always about that with the Lakers. And that's that's the problem with that I have with the Lakers as an organization is that that's this right. is what they get. This is what they get. You're all about the glitz and the glamour. And sometimes you got to bear down and have a plan and have some substance. And your plan can't just be, you know, you know take him to, bring him to Hollywood, you know, you know, wine and dine you. Take you around in our Ferrari, and then you know seal the deal later on. You just can't be your plan all the time. Like, you got to have some sort of infrastructure. You got to grow some of your own talent, and they haven't done that at all. You know they 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 haven't developed. You know since I mean I, 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 I Derek Fisher. You know since 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 Seal left, they haven't developed any homegrown talent on that roster. Bynum mm. came along. And developed, but again, that was when Phil was there. Even That's right. guys like Vujacic, Luke Walton, who were role players, but those were guys that they drafted, they picked up, they developed. They haven't done that in a long time, and that's why the cupboard is bare right now because they have been constantly caught in this free agent cycle. Let's try and pick somebody up. Let's try and pick somebody up. And they don't have any assets. They don't have anybody on their roster who you would trade for other than Gasol. 
And they can't move him right now because they don't have the white. And so the Lakers are headed to the lottery too, in my opinion. And I think it would behoove them to just go to the lottery. Just go and get some assets. Get something of your own. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Get something of your own. You know, develop your own star. (laughs) That's right. Find your Durant. And that's somebody who can come in with Kobe. If it's one of your own, then they can come in and Kobe can be Kobe with this young person. You know, maybe that's what it is. And I would say stick for Kobe me, out go ahead. as much as you can. Next yeah. Stick Kobe yeah. out. Yeah. I mean, yeah. get him out like D. Rose. Don't even play him. Yeah. Get yeah. him out. Yeah. I'm the same way with Rondo and Kobe. Both franchises need to say we're going into Sometimes you just need to say, you know what, I'm going to the lottery. <laughs> you know what I mean? As a franchise, you just need to say, I'm going to the lottery, but I'm going there with a plan. I'm not the Bobcat. All right? It's okay to go to the lottery. It's, it's it's like going to the club. You're, it's like, okay, I'm gonna go out to the club tonight, but I'm going with a plan. I'm not I'm not the dude that's there every night. I'm not the cat that's in the joint every night, hanging out, making himself look silly, making a fool out of himself, overspending, buying drinks for everybody, stunting and fronting like he really doing it when everybody knows he's not. That's not me. I'm going out tonight. I'm going to have a good time. I'm going in, I'm getting out, I'm hanging out with my fellas, with my guys, and that's it. I'm not I'm not, I'm not getting caught no foolery. I'm not going to get caught coming back next week. I have a plan. I know what I'm going to do. I'm getting in, I'm getting out, fellas night out. That's what it is. We're not going to have any problems. I'm going back home, and it's going to be all good. <laughs> you know what I mean? you got to have a plan. And it's okay to go to the lottery if you know why you're going to the lottery. If you go into the lottery and you think you got a good team, then that's on you. But if you're the Lakers and the Celtics, you gotta know you're not gonna be good next year. Let's just let's just go all in. Let's go. Let's not even pretend like like we fight for eight seed. Let's leave that to the the Pelicans. Let's leave that to the Blazers. Let's leave that to those teams that are up and coming and are trying to get that. We know we, we ain't near the mountain. We've been to the mountain. And because we've been to the mountain, sure. we know we don't have mountaintop material in this locker room. So let's be real about that, and let's go all the way in on trying to get somebody. And you can either get and somebody. When you, when you talk to Laker fans, they try to. And you talk to Laker fans, it's almost like they're in denial sometimes. Like they, but they saying they still can get mountaintop material. Like who coming? Like a real exactly. Song. Like you, you, you they, LeBron they, James is not walking they, through that door. They picked up what came in or something like that. Like, and I love him. I think he's a decent pickup. He probably would have been better if you could have kept Dwight. Now you could have done something. You got some interchangeable exactly. parts there. But but exactly. it's it's like but you picked up a guy like Kane and who your coach you have can't do not with him. Right, you're gonna be <laughs> mediocre. You're gonna be mediocre with him. You're gonna be mediocre without him. Like tell Kobe to go sit down. Stop signing people. Save your cap space. You know what I'm saying? Let these deals come off the books next year. Go into the draft. Get a high pick. Get a get a lottery pick. This is a loaded draft. There's gonna be you know there's gonna be a decent player at six, seven in this draft. Yeah. Just get in there. Get a guy. Bring Kobe back. And now talk to free agents about what you can do. Now go out and try and pick up some free agents. But you got to kind of take a step back. 
know what I'm saying? You got to kind of re, you got to reload. You know what I mean? You can't be in you can't have your finger on the trigger all the time. Sometimes you got to stop and say, "I need to go pick up some more ammunition." All right? You know, Aaron Hernandez up at his flop house. You know what I'm saying? He got all the ammo you need. <laughs> so, you know, I think I think I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be some dark year a dark year to an LA, and you know this whole this whole situation, and I'm gonna call it on the radio. I've been call I called it on Twitter. I've called it to you guys. The first conspiracy theory, the first conspiracy of the Adam Silver era will be the Lakers of the Celtics. One of them is gonna have the first pick in this year's draft, and it's gonna ride up with Andrew Wiggins. And if yeah. that happens. You heard it from the Game Changer first. ESPN will be six, seven months behind me. CBS Sports will be six, seven months behind me. Just like they are with everything else. All right? They're behind Mark it on the tape. All right? That's right. Mark it on the tape. I, I've already dropped it on Twitter. I've already dropped it on Facebook. Watch. You don't, as, as Trinidad James says, don't believe me, just watch. <laughs> Into uh into one of your mar- one of your key franchises and keep it rolling. It, you know when we go back in time and we really assess how Kobe became to be a Laker, you got to scratch your head and say for real, Vlade Divac for yes. Kobe Bryant. That's what went down. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> really, Charlie? That was a good deal. Or was David Stern standing behind you with a pistol at your back? <laughs> you need to go ahead and move this. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm You know, anytime the Lakers get in get in a little jam, somehow they magically find a fool in the league to give to give them something. Gasol. You know what I'm saying? At that time Mark Gasol was just a pudgy fat Gasol brother. He was not a ball player at that particular time when they made that deal for a second round pick in Mark Gasol. Come on, man. Are you for real? So the Lakers will figure it out. Somehow magically they'll they'll wind up with a with a high pick in the draft and they'll pick up somebody and you know, Stephen A dropped it the other day. Good to have first take back. Stephen A dropped it the other day talking about uh, Carmelo going out there. And what do you think of that? Do you think Carmelo is actually a good fit in LA? Do you think that's gonna work? Carmelo and Kobe? Because Kobe and, ain't going and enough, Yeah, there's not enough balls in there and, and Carmelo wanted to play defense he's playing with Kobe. So, I mean, how many times uh, can a ball stop in one possession? <laughs> and, 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 and again, who's going to coach them? You I mean, know, do they cancel each other in, out? Do they cancel you know, each other is, out? Is it, because, like, is it like two yeah. negative poles? I mean, you two ball stoppers in one offense, how does that work? Do they, do they cancel each other? You know what I'm saying? It's like uh, crossing the screens on Ghostbusters. I mean, it's like you're probably gonna need the Tony because you need a lot of possessions to feed that. That that'd be the yeah. only way to make it work because you you actually need to speed the game up for them to really feel like they get enough shots. That still ain't gonna win, you know. So it, it's like, but there's no plan. See, so this is my whole thing: is that in Boston, there's a plan and there's a philosophy. You can see it emerging. In L.A., yep. there's no that, – what is it? Like, what are you doing? Right. What, what style what's are you doing? Different? The team that's got a – look like they kind of got a plan is is in the other locker room in the building. So 
you're going to watch out because Doc is a bigger-than-life kind of person. You know, he's he the kind of cat who can steal the show along with them. So you need to be careful. So yeah, that, that's part of the moves. Yeah, you need to be careful. I mean, picking up Reddick, they're not big yeah. names, but they're the right kind of moves you need to make. These are these are the smart moves that you need to make. It's not, and that's the thing that I think a lot of teams have looked at Miami. And me and me and PhD went back and forth about this because we were talking about the San Antonio model and how they just kind of tweak the tweak the roster. Yeah. They don't make huge wholesale moves a whole lot. They just kind of tweak yeah. things and they get certain guys who have certain skills that they need to make things work and to make the style of play that they want to play work. Whereas everybody sees this big three situation in Miami and realize, and, and, and to that, to that, to that uh, San Antonio reference, PhD was like, well, San Antonio is an anomaly. And to that I replied, well, I think Miami is the anomaly. I think Miami yeah. is a rare situation where you had three guys who knew they wanted to play together, who set it up so they could play together and you had an organization who was tipped off that they were going to be able to get those three guys. There's yeah. no way in the there's no, there's, in the history of the game have you ever seen somebody just strip their roster down to two dudes like the Miami right. Heat did. Yeah. They had two dudes on, under contract. You don't do that unless you know, unless you know you're getting – those two, those three guys together, right. plus the right. two guys together. That's, 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 that's your Sparta and that's the thing the Lakers, <laughs> and that's the thing the Lakers won't have. Yep. You know, they're going to try and re- replicate that, but you don't have that behind the scenes guarantee that these cats want to come play with Kobe. That's yep. the fallacy behind the Miami deal is that Miami kind of Pat Riley orchestrated getting those guys together. Now, nah, D-Wade tipped off Pat and said, look, man, if you clear this out and you clear enough money, we might we we it's a real strong chance we want to play together. And Miami is a great place to to come and be 25, 26, 27 years old. I can get those cats right. to come down here. They want to come down here. We've already talked about this. We've already set this up. That's why we set our contracts like this. So you know, clear the deck and we can get them here. You know what I mean? That's that's how that went down. That wasn't a happenstance. That wasn't a by chance. That wasn't an orchestration by the organization. That was those three guys wanting to play together. And the reason, another reason I say it's an anomaly is because egos are huge. That's why the Kobe, the white thing didn't work. Egos. And when you're looking at, you know, those three guys, they wanted to play together. They wanted to bring, they, they orchestrated that. They didn't, they weren't brought together by the organization and told to play together. They wanted to play together. So they had to make it work. Because it was something that they set up, and they wanted this to happen, so they didn't want to look like fools. So guys had to sacrifice. They sacrificed because they were friends. Though. Now, when yes. you just bring cats together, you can't guarantee that. You can't guarantee that cats are going to get along. Egos are going to be put to, put aside. Because what Chris Bosh has had to go through as a as a member of the Heat is tough to go through when you know you can do more and you're not, yeah. and you're hearing everybody yeah. talk about call you weak, call you soft this, that, and the other, that's hard to go through if you don't have a greater purpose behind what you're doing and the sacrifices you're making. If you don't have some sort of commitment and connection to the guys you're in that locker room with. And if you bring three stars together, somebody's numbers are going to take a hit. And that dude is going to become the scapegoat. And nobody wants to be that, especially if it's not with guys who you you trust and you're, you're cool with. And so I don't think that model is really feasible for a lot of teams, just bringing three dudes in. You've got to have the right kind of dudes and they have to have the right mindset, and they have to have a level of commitment to one another, 
and also they have a level of commitment to winning because somebody's numbers are going to take a hit, and people are going to come at you, especially in today's world. People are going to come at you differently than they mm-hmm. have in the past, and so I, I just I just don't buy that 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 whole framework of, of putting your team together. I don't think I don't think no. that that's and you don't have LeBron. <laughs> that's no. the other thing. You don't have a yeah, Swiss Army yeah. knife who can make right. all of that work and who can fit in with all those pieces. Other cats in the league have limitations, and they have that's to right. play a certain style. LeBron can play in a lot of different types of settings and offenses and with a lot of different people. And unless you got that, it's hard to make fit in three guys who all are accustomed to playing a certain way and need to play a certain way. That's just my two cents on that whole thing. I, I feel like if the Lakers are going to take that approach, that's that's fool's goal. I would say be bad, go into the lottery, try and get something you can work with, pair it with Kobe, and then try and get one more piece. Because if, uh, if the third piece is a, is a young cat, that cat is just going to come in and try to make a name for themselves. They, the, the ego mm-hmm. isn't there yet. They haven't done anything. Get Kobe and another established guy with a young piece or a couple of young pieces, and then fill out your roster with smart moves, smart player acquisitions, and keep it going from there and, and, and ride this out. But I think Kobe is done. I think he's ruined his, his chances of getting the ring just being Kobe, and it wasn't a match. Now, Dwight's moving on to Houston. How do you see that working? Well, you know, and so he's moving to Houston. Um, uh, I think he's with the right coach. Dwight needs, you know, Dwight's going to be Batman, I mean, to Robin is somebody's Batman. I mean, he's, he, he plays like he wants to be the front person, but I think he's matched uh, with a superstar in Harden and someone that can really put him in the position to get to score uh, because of the way he plays the game. Uh, but I also think that he has a coach, uh, and he's going to be in a culture. I mean, as much as it, what you're saying is right is that, L.A. is built on kind of the, the personalities as part of it versus how you describe the, uh, the, the Celtics. But I think Houston is probably closer to how the Celtics do what they do organizationally. And so they got that. Plus, he's come into a, a, a big man tradition. I mean, Houston has much of a big man tradition as anybody uh, in the NBA. And so he has the benefit now that he's an insider of accessing Olajuwon doing some things. So, but I think it's the Kevin McHale piece that's going to make the difference for him. Now, do they got enough to win? That's yet to be seen. Um, but I think for whom Dwight is, uh, I think this is probably the best environment for him. I just think, that if, you know, and it's not it's not bad that the, 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 the lights are too hot. You know, Tim Duncan won from being in San Antonio. That's a good place for Tim Duncan. Now, Tim Duncan probably could have won in other places, but – a place like San Antonio was good for Tim Duncan, who he is. Now it's going to be about Dwight settling in to who he really is. It's going to be important. Uh, but I think he's with the right coach uh, for him right now. I think uh, Mikel will be really good for him. How that translates into championships is yet to be seen. It's about the other pieces. That'll matter. It's about Hardy's yeah. growth. It's about what else they put around him that will make the difference about winning championships in Houston. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, you know, I think I think it puts them in the mix. Um, but whether or not they they win championships, I think is yet to be seen. There's still a lot of work they got to do as an organization. But they mm-hmm. laid the groundwork, and I have no doubt that they will be able to do it. Daryl Morey has done a great job as a GM yeah. of taking that team from where it was at the beginning of the last season 
to be looking like they were headed straight to the lottery to picking up James Harden, making the playoffs, and now having Dwight Howard and James Harden, which you just didn't see that coming at last at, at, in, in, the, in the fall of last year when the season started. But the West is thick. Golden State has made some real good moves. The Clippers have made mm-hmm. some real good moves. OKC, it, the West is, is shaping up different, man. I mean, OKC has been at the top of the West for a long time. And I think that's where OKC messed up a little bit. You know, when I talked yeah. about that whole big three mentality, they had three yeah. guys who got along. They had three studs, and they gave it up, not realizing that uh, it's rare. And it's hard to replicate yes. that. It's hard to find that right piece. And so, okay, see, I, they may take a step back in that Western Conference, man, because um, they don't have a third guy no more. Um, they're hoping that Reggie Jackson, who went off today in Summer League, he was Summer League, but the boy went off. Um, I just watched it. Um, and they got the, uh, Jeremy Lamb, who they're trying to groom into that position. Um, but they don't have a solid number three. Um, and, and it's proven that you need that. You need you need that third scorer. That's where I think San Antonio faltered a little bit. They didn't have a third guy who they can count on consistently um, outside of Park and Ginobili. Kawhi Leonard had his moments. Ginobili had his moments. Danny Green had his moments. But on a night-to-night basis, it was hard to guess who was going to be that guy. Mm-hmm. But teams like Golden State picking up Eagle Dollar. Golden State's going to yeah. be tough. Um, Golden yeah. State, they can have a healthy Andrew Bogut come playoff time. I don't even care if he's not healthy during the season. If they can have him healthy during playoffs with – uh, Eagle Dollar Bogus, one of the best post defenders and help defenders and team defenders at the big man position that there is in the league. Having a guy like Eagle Dollar who can dog the ball, uh, having, a, again, bodies on the wing who you can throw at the, the Durant, the Hardens, the LeBrons, the D Wade, the Kobe's of the world. It's really important in today's NBA, especially if you're trying to position yourself um, as a championship contender. I like what they've done. Um, I do yeah. think they're going to lose a little bit letting Jerry Jack go um, just because he was a shot maker. He allowed Curry to play off the ball. They're going to have to figure that piece out. But I like what Golden State did. The Clippers have made some moves. Um, I still think they need another big man um, to allow them to, you know, a a stretch-type big man or a swing combo forward who can shoot from the perimeter to allow them to be able to play Blake at the five but not be too small because I don't think you can play DeAndre Jordan and Blake together. Um, down a stretch of close games. So they're going to be tough. Memphis is coming back tough. Um, San Antonio will be back in the mix. OKC will be in the mix. It's, it's going to be thick out west, man. It's going to be thick yeah. out west. And you and, have a team, like, you know, a team like Utah. I mean, Trey Burke going out in Utah and some of the, you know, they're clearing up some of the stuff around some of the bigs. But their biggest problem was they had problems at point. They didn't have a true point guard. And so you add a, a Trey Burke, who I, who I think is my push for this rookie of the year, because of, you know, Utah, they they like to feature the point guard when they've had it. And so yeah. you add a team like Utah that will be growing, but they might get enough wins against you that might cause you problems. <laughs> so right. you start to add right. that piece in where, you know, maybe they don't make the playoffs, yeah. but they make enough runs that they chip away at your head-to-head then that makes it even tougher out west. And you have about three or four teams out west who are like that when you talk about uh, Utah. You talk about Portland, who's made some really good moves to develop and to bolster their bench. Yeah, they brought in C.J. Yep. McCallum, um, yep. who's, a decent, who's a rookie that I think will be a, a good a, a good role player in that system, in that team, with that yep. team. Um, they've yep. added some depth. 
but they've made some really strong moves to kind of shore up some of the areas where they were weak. That's going to be a team. And he's talking about the New Orleans Pelicans. They pick up Tyreek uh, Evans, um, Drew Holiday. So they get Drew Holiday. They have Eric Gordon, Tyreek Evans, Ryan Anderson, um, Anthony Davis. They have a really good nucleus of guys who, again, they could make that jump that Golden State made. You know, they can yes. make that kind of a leap where they jump into that 7-8 seed area and, and cause some problems. They may not win a playoff series, but with that roster, they have the athleticism and and the, uh, they have enough scores and guys who can create shots. The one thing I think they don't have a lot of is shooting, and that will be the thing that yeah. they got to figure out is, is who's going who's gonna to make shots with that crew and how they're going to spread the floor out. But that's another squad that, again, is going to make it just a little bit tougher. Just a little bit tougher. And you still got a team like Denver kind of hanging around that's just kind of yeah. in the mix. And, and, and Denver, unfortunately, is going to kind of fall into that Atlanta Hawks kind of uh, yeah. pattern of well, being in the mix but not really being in the mix, you know. Yeah. So, man, we could keep going for another hour, man. There's uh, no, so man. much going on with the NBA, man. <laughs> It's, it's been a great time. Summer League is going. I've been watching Summer League games. Um, I just got done watching the Oklahoma City-Detroit game. Andre Drummond, Detroit's going to be another team in the East. We got to talk about that next week. We got to make some early predictions. But, yeah, man, it's a good, good show, bro. Good show, good show, good show. Yeah, I love it. Good stuff. You listen to the real sports guys, realsportsguys.com. RSD Renegade Radio. We gotta close out with the resistance digital dog of the week. D Wills, hit them off with your dog of the week. Uh, my dog of the week is Andy Murray. First Brit to win, what, seventy seven years? Uh gotta give it to him. He had a heartbreaking came back. All right, all right. Yeah, shout out to Andy Murray. Uh big win, big win. Um, repping for for his home country, his homeland, his countrymen. Uh, my dog of the week, I'm going with Brad Stevens. Big jump. Um, I wish him all the success in the world. I think he's going to do a great job. You know, I think he's with a great organization. Um, going from one great organization to another, how can you be that lucky? So, hats off to him. This is the Renegade. Signing off until next week. We'll get into uh, Magna Carta, Holy Grail. We'll get into uh, some more NBA talk. Start to Dig our teeth into the NFL season. We got to talk about we and baseball and the All-Star game and all that good stuff. But we're going to hit you off with that next week. Until um, then, make sure you check us out, www.thesportsguys.com, RSG, The Renegade. Peace. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 